Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. School of Humans. Hello, good day, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are right now. Welcome to Cadaver Gals. This is the podcast where we talk about all of the ways that people have died to cope with our own mortality. I'm your host, Taylor, along with Gabby and Nika. Hi. Oh, hiya. Hiya. Hi. (laughs) Okay, great. We're going to really set the tone for being whiny today. Oh, I feel baby. (laughs) Today, we are going to talk about how Buddhist monks mummify themselves and how the late great playwright Tennessee Williams expired by way of nasal spray, question mark. Um, <laughs> it is definitely a question mark. So. <laughs> Big question <Yes>. mark. <laughs> if you're a regular to Cadaver Gals, you know the drill. But if you are new, we have some trigger warnings. Today we will be talking about mummification, starvation, poison, asphyxiation, and drug use. So please proceed with caution. This is Cadaver Gals. All right. Welcome, all you cadaver pals. Nika has a wonderful story about some monks. I would love to hear what it is they do when they die or how they make themselves die. Cadaver pals sounds like a dead person's vibrator. Um, So, my cadaver pal. So we're talking today about one of my favorite kind of cadavers, which are mummies. And I didn't realize how into these I was until I started researching. And now I just want to like, 
I want to have a mummy episode. Like, I'm very into it. Very excited about it. Get out your cadaver pal. Yeah, get out your cadaver pal. Get ready for this. Don't masturbate to this, please. Um, When I get mummified, though, I definitely want to be, like, buried with my cadaver pal, you know? That's like how good. the pharaohs would be buried with all of their like things that they liked, like yeah. their pets. Yeah. But I'll have the vibrator too. Anyway. Wow, amazing. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, there is a practice. It's kind of, it doesn't really happen anymore. Um, it was more in ancient Japanese Buddhist monks, a specific kind of Buddhism too. It's not like just every Buddhist did this. But it's this practice called Sokushinbutsu. And basically it's the practice of Buddhist monks mummifying themselves while still alive. That's right, everyone. You heard it. They are still alive as they're doing this. That is just crazy town. That is. I love when you use the word crazy town. It's like we're a Disney show or something. Like it's that's just that's just craziness. It is. Um, And it's so fascinating. So it was created by this monk called Kukai in 806, the year 806. And he basically went to China and studied Tangmi, which is a kind of Chinese Buddhism, and then went back to Japan and founded a different kind of Buddhism called Shingon. So he took these practices that he learned, which were more like tantric practices from China, brought them to Japan, founded Shingon, and then from there, this kind of spread into another religion called Shugendu. And that is the kind of religion that practice this now mute slash illegal practice of mummifying yourself yo you can't mummify yourself anymore i mean i guess you could if you really tried and i'm actually gonna explain how to in this podcast but it is illegal so i Mm. don't approve of it that's rude as hell what if you want to go that way like what if you also accidentally mummify yourself that happens. You know, I hate when that happens sometimes. It does just happen. like, oh, shit. Accidental mummification is a thing. That sounds fake, too. But I guess you'll probably tell mo- us more about that later. Yes, but, Nika, I was definitely. wondering with tantric practices, what does that mm-hmm. mean? Because all I know about tantric stuff is tantric sex and how Sting has it with his wife and they have sex for like 10 hours. Wait, straight. first of all, I think everyone should get into tantric sex. Second of all, um, so it's How basically- do you know that Sting and his wife are into that? Sorry. Completely, you know. I just follow Sting. (laughs) Some, I just—it's a thing I read maybe one time ten years ago. I don't know, but you know, me, me and Sting were pretty close. Sting's gonna be like, I heard the cadaver gals were talking about me and my sexual behaviors with my wife. Amazing. Um, no, (laughs) tantric practices basically have to do with um, like Buddhist or Hindu doctrines, specifically things about like being very present, using your body, spirituality, and focusing and like using those practices in whatever religion they were practicing. So like for our guy, Kukai, he brought in tantric practices into a new religion that he founded, which was Shingon. Does that explain your question, Gabby, a little bit? Yeah, it's really clear now. I feel much more intelligent. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, That's why tantric sex is a lot of, like, you have to look into your lover's eyes. Ew! I don't want to do that. Remember last episode? That was, we talked about how uh, sexual eye contact is. Well, whenever yes. I bang, I firmly close my eyes. <laughs> okay, okay this sorry. Is... Anyway, Nika. So, yes. So a lot of the Japanese monks who practice this, actually all of them, are specifically tied to this religion, Shujendu, as I said, which blends. It's very interesting the way so many of these offshoots of Buddhism 
kind of came to be. And Shujendu, it's not just Buddhism. It's like Japanese folklore, asceticism, which is the practice of self-denial for spiritual purposes. And then this thing called mountain worship, where they basically see mountains as holy. And so the like mountain reverence and taking care of mountains and seeing them as like places where you can connect to a higher power is really important to them. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mountains are high up. You think of, like, the sky being a heavenly place where gods live. And then, like, in the south, they say shit, you know, like, the higher the hair, closer to God. So I bet it's a similar thing with the higher the mountain, the closer to God. Hair mountains. Right, yes. People from the south and Japanese Buddhists have so much in common. Yep. Anyway, um, so these people practice that. It's only happened 24 times. I mean, there's been hundreds of people who have tried, but only 24 have actually been found successfully self-mummified. And the last successful death of this kind was by this monk called Bukai, who died in 1903 at 76 years old. And the practice was made illegal in Japan in 1877. So he actually did this in secret. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And then in 1961, he was exhumed, and his remains are now in the Kenzionji Temple in southwest Japan. So you can go see him if you want. So they didn't care that much that it was illegal. I mean, this the people who exhumed him were people who specifically study mummies in Japan. So I think they were allowed. So is he now in, like, corpse prison? Yeah, like, what do I, you do? Like, oh, you can't do this, but then they're dead, so, like, how are they being punished? He, well, he's not being punished. He's actually being shown off. In a temple that you can go see. Exactly, so it doesn't really matter. Laws mean nothing. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cadaver gals. Cadaver gals. Laws mean nothing. No, what I will say is that the usual practice, and I'll talk about it more later, but they put you inside of a chamber, and then three years later, they take you out. And I guess the illegal part of this is that they couldn't take him out until he was exhumed in 1961. So he stayed in that chamber dead for around 60-ish years. So if you're like a failed, if you fail mummifying yourself, but also that sucks because you don't know if you're going to do it successfully, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty banana. So if you quote unquote fail, it's not like a, oh, I don't have honor. Not at all. You get buried normally. You're taken out. They see, they check your body to see if you failed or not. And if you've decomposed, yes, you have failed, but they're still going to bury you with very high honors for trying. Very nice of them. Oh, so it's kind of like a participation trophy. Well, yes, Gabby, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) It's not very nice. (laughs) So, Nika, do you want to, like, take us through that process of how they actually self-mummify? That seems I would love to. It is – okay, so, yes, it is actually very hard. Japan is relatively humid. Um, It's not, like, super arid or freezing. The best mummies in the world have been found in, like, extreme temperatures, you know, in ice or in deserts. Um, And so to mummify yourself in a humid area is actually very, very hard. So in order for these Buddhist monks to mummify themselves, they have to go through a rigorous training process. It is, like, the most extreme diet of your life. So it's 3,000 days which basically is nine to 10 years that they have to kind of train to do this. And it starts off by essentially 
doing a diet of nuts, berries, pine needles, tree bark, whatever they can find by foraging in the forests where they live. Tasty. Because they usually live in the mountains, yes, is um is what is the only thing they eat. And the diet is literally called the tree eating diet. So that's kind of the way that you start. You're purging your body, you're not intaking a lot of fats. That's just kind of you're starving your body of nutrients and um Fat is a big component of what causes bodily decay. And so once you stop eating things that are high in fat, well, you don't have a lot of fat that will decay your body. They probably don't lotion anymore either. They do not lotion. (laughs) They don't. And then they also – so basically what they do in those 3,000 days is either forage for food or meditate. That is literally it. You said 9 to 10 years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a full – dedicated thing i know it's insane i feel like my elbows are dry enough to start the mummification (laughs) process so i'm well on my way that's terrible gabby i don't like dry skin i'm gonna send you some lotion i Um, have lotion it just doesn't work anyway anyway um so they go through thousand day cycles so after a few thousand day cycles of this diet the monk actually cuts off all food and drink except for water They continue to meditate, and this dehydrates the body. And then some people, during this time, they drink this tea made of toxidendron viriculum tree bark, which is, it is a tree bark that creates sap that makes lacquer. And so, obviously, it is very toxic, and what that does is it makes them vomit and also makes bacteria inhospitable in their bodies. So, in many ways, it's kind of like embalming fluid. Now, I just kind of want to explained that this was invented in 806. That's pretty incredible. The people It's pretty started, advanced. It's extremely advanced. It's amazing. They knew what they were doing, for sure. Yeah. So this tea obviously makes them kind of pour out all of their internal things, and it discourages insects to live inside there, empties the stomach, shrinks the organs, and that's just what they do. They throw up, and they drink this tea, and they only have water, and they continue to meditate. So they're getting ready. Their bodies are starting to they're starting to prepare to die. They continue meditating, and once they feel death approaching, which I'm guessing if you've meditated for so long at that point, you must be so very in tune with your body. You have to know that like you're about to die. So they feel death approaching. They enter a tomb where they sit in lotus position, which is basically legs crossed in, in front of the other, and meditate there, and then they breathe through a bamboo rod, and they have a little bell outside of the tomb that they ring once a day until death. Now, once the bell stops ringing, they are, the tomb is sealed, and then the tomb is opened in three years. And so, like I said, Gabby, if they are successful after three years, their bodies are hailed as holy, and if they're not successful, um, they get buried. So they don't get hailed as holy. That's yeah. sad. They I just know. get a proper burial. So it's. I just find it fascinating. And there's specific areas in Japan where monks are the, were the best at this. One area is um, Yamagata. And basically, they were really, really good at this. And they all thought that the holy springs that they drank water from were kind of holy, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> but it turns out they actually just had very high levels of arsenic, and that's why they were so good at getting ready to die and then preserving themselves and their bodies. Oh, mm-hmm. that was a turn. <laughs> I know. 
but it's amazing. And you can literally, you can look pictures up of these people. I mean, these monks are hundreds of years old and their bodies are almost perfectly preserved. It's incredible. I mean, they still have hair on their heads. Like, it's insane. And you can actually go visit many of them in Japan, which I find incredible. And like I said, they are worshipped, basically. Um, it was super popular in the 12th to the 20th century. And essentially, Buddhists felt like Sokushinbutsu gets them into Tusita heaven, which is this heavenly realm in Buddhism where future Buddhas reside before they are reincarnated. And so these monks believe that if they are successful in preserving their bodies, then they'll be there for 1.6 million years. But because their bodies are still on earth, they can still go to earth and help people until... I think Buddha comes back or some or something like that. And then everything is okay. So it's very everything like everything is fine. <laughs> everything is okay. Because yes. they're back. Buddha is around. He's hanging out. Buddha is back. He'll meet you on back tour. It's oh, stop. It's all like very self-sacrificial. Like that's their, you know, big thing. And they're I mean, as I said, asceticism is a big thing for them, and they see that as, like, that's the ultimate sacrifice. It's preserving your body and slowly dying, but staying on Earth so you can help people while also being in the next realm. Wow. Thank you, Nika. Mm -hmm. That is intense. Mm -hmm. All right. You're welcome. We will be right back, and I will talk, we'll talk a little bit more about how, what your body does when it mummifies. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. 
Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back, all you cadaver pals. We are going to talk a little bit about what your body, what is actually happening in your body when you're being mummified, um, since I'm sure you're all wondering that. I know I am. <laughs> yeah, just in case it happens to you. Exactly. So typically, when you think about mummies and mummification, you instantly think of the Egyptians. But they're not the only culture to have taken on this practice. The Incas, Aztecs, the Australian Aboriginals, African, and even ancient Europeans have had their own versions of mummification. I'm hoping mummification is really interesting. I'm hoping there's a bunch of different kinds. So I'm really excited to do more mummification episodes. Uh, I mean, yes, please tell us if you like mummification episodes because I am all about it. Just thinking about wrapping people up in things gets me excited. They all have kind of like a different method and I just find that really interesting. So I'm going to try and just stick with um, these, uh, these Buddhists. Mummies are like forbidden gifts, you know? It just, who's going to open them? That's the question. <laughs> anyway, so, but mummifying is is kind of the opposite of what we as Americans think about embalming. But it's still the same idea, which is like preserving your body or keeping your body on earth, which the more I think about it, the more disturbing that actually is, that we're just like, I'm dead, I'm gone forever, but I'm just going to keep my body here though, just in case, just it just yeah i'm now disturbed by it when i die you guys can just throw my body in a dumpster don't even try to preserve Gabby, it okay no we'll be respectful whatever we decide to do but i also yes. think that you should have an opinion ahead of time well yeah i have a nice dumpster in mind i'll okay. uh, send you the gps coordinates later anyway great but mummification is kind of like making jerky like beef jerky <laughs> right think about what it the heck I'm just freaking out at the fact that you just said <laughs> mummifying someone is like making jerky. It's the same process. So so anyway, so these monks are literally trying to do this naturally, but whereas, you know, when you obviously when you're making jerky, you're forcing your forcing the meat into this particular environment which dehydrates <laughs> and there's the removal of fat. I'm serious, y'all. <laughs> It's just such a, I mean, Nika was already talking about how disrespectful we were being, but I do think the jerky comparison might be the creme de la creme of like disrespecting this mummification process. I'm just trying to say it's the same process, but. Okay. Um, I, I love it. I just think it's hilarious what you're saying. I look, I was looking up both ways, like both processes and they're essentially the same thing. So you need ideal conditions, Right. The, and the body virtually needs – cannot have any fat because fat insulates and tries to regulate the, your body temperature. And fat is also like 
oily and that oil holds in moisture. And then, you know, if there's moisture, then you're not drying out properly. So fat obviously will result in more difficult dehydration process. So that's why they are trying to eliminate all fat. That's why they're on that very specific diet that Nika was talking about. And secondly, bacteria, which Nika also mentioned this, the bacteria is what breaks down and decomposes a body. And bacteria cannot survive extreme heat or extreme cold. So that's why, for example, that's why morgues are cold. That's why in like Egypt, for example, it's really it's hot. So it's easy. It's an easier process there. But since Japan is not necessarily hot enough or cold enough, um, that poisonous sap that they drink actually kills the bacteria. So all so all of these things have to be perfect in order for a successful mummification to actually happen, which all of those have to be absolutely pristine, which is why it hasn't been so successful. So there you have it. I have disrespected monks and how they mummify themselves but they don't really do that anymore so i think it's okay yeah i think it'll be okay also they've probably attained higher levels of consciousness than we'll ever have so they probably wouldn't be too insulted by us saying this because they are superior beings you know in general they are superior beings and i can guarantee you they're not listening to us right now so well you don't know maybe each of us have like a monk assigned to us Maybe like 24 of the monks are still here on Earth helping Earth people, you know? Why would he choose us? I don't know. (laughs) Fair enough. You never know. So always be respectful. Well, how's everyone's relationship to jerky now, you know? I'm not a fan of it to begin with. Yeah, I like jerky a lot, sadly. And one time I was on an airplane just like eating a whole bag of it and I was sitting next to like a 15 year old and then she was just like stank facing me the whole time and I was like yeah I'm disgusting whatever Why? that's so rude because I mean jerky is like a very specific weird food I don't like to just it. like like strips of meat in a bag it's pretty weird it's very weird I uh dated a guy once who really liked beef jerky and would always like on road trips try and like he'd he'd always buy it at the gas stations or whatever and I'm just like, no, you cannot. That was a rule. You cannot have beef jerky in my car. Wow. wow. Coming through Taylor the laying rules. down the law. Yeah, good boundaries. Law. That's why I'm still single. Uh, I don't <laughs> you think don't... you're still single because people can't eat jerky in your car. There has to be some reason, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that is the reason, actually, yeah. Taylor. So maybe you should reconsider that hard boundary you have with the jerky in the car. I'll consider it. How your life could have been different. Someone send Taylor a box of jerky. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, let's just go ahead and r- wrap that one up. But a ching. Oh, very oh. funny. <laughs> wrap because of mummification. Even though that's not the process that these yeah. monks used. But it's, it's relevant. Gabby, I would love to hear about... Mr. Tennessee Williams, and what happened to this poor fella? This poor fella. I think that's a good way to describe Tennessee Williams because this story is going to teach us an important lesson that life be terrible sometimes, even if you're successful. So that is... Oh, we didn't already know that. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, Taylor. Speak for yourself. Let's let's refocus here. So today we're talking about the iconic, legendary American playwright, Tennessee Williams, who we all know from works like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, A Streetcar Named Desire, 
Stella. And then, uh, you know, his first big hit, The Glass Menagerie, which you probably had to read in high school. And also, if you don't know who Tennessee Williams is, um, I can't help you there. Read a book, you know? Wow. Uh, Okay. I feel really attacked because I actually didn't know who he was a while ago. And I thought he was a liquor brand, like a bourbon. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, by the end of his life, he did have a very uh, intense drinking problem. So, you know? So I was right. Cool. Yeah. So you're you're correct. He is a playwright and a whiskey brand that we will be starting next year. So along with our cadaver pals. Yeah, vibrators, whiskey, we have everything. Jerky. Um, <laughs> so we'll get to his death in a little bit because it was a little it was a little confusing, but I do just want to talk about how he was pretty miserable his whole life, which I'm like, I hard relate to this. He had like a sad life, lots of bad things happened. And then also he kind of had a piss poor attitude, which I have a piss poor attitude most of the time. So I'm like, oh my God, am I Tennessee oh, Williams? It's too bad he's reincarnated. not alive today to Oh yeah, you guys could have dated. Yeah. Well he was a little gay, so it might have been not exactly You can date people who are a little gay. Well he was like gay. That's different. I mean, like, I'm a little gay. I'm like a half gay, but I don't think my half gay would then suit his, like, probably 98% gay. Okay, see, I was gonna gonna say, like, Gabby, half of the people I've dated are half gay. (laughs) So, uh, let's see. So, he was born in Mississippi in 1911, and then when he was a young kid, he moved to St. Louis with his family, and his family seemed, like, super dysfunctional. Like, his dad was this rageful, volatile salesman and then his mom was just like really overbearing and they all just seemed really sad and he had an older sister and older brother and at one point the sister got a lobotomy oh no and so and then she spent like most of her life in a psychiatric institution and it's just like in tennessee was like he was close to his sister so i think that was a, a big hardship was obviously like you know spending time with your sister and seeing because lobotomies are fucked up as hell, they and they did so, so many of them, up. you know? They are so creepy. <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy because, like, at the time, the guy who invented lobotomies actually got the Nobel Prize in, in science because of it. Like, people actually thought this was something that was fixing fixing people. Mm-mm. But Tennessee, he started writing when he was a teen, and he didn't reach very much success early in his life. And he, I don't know, it was interesting he was talking about he just like hated all of his day jobs, which I'm like, as an artist, I totally relate to this because like one time his dad was made him work in this shoe factory and Tennessee described that experience as a living death. So you know what? Jobs oh my God. work. Get I Get that it. on a pillow. Listen, I have worked in hospitality before and that is probably accurate. Retail yeah. too. Oof, no. Van, he wrote prolifically. He had various writing jobs. He worked in Hollywood temporarily, but didn't really... It was just kind of like making shitty scripts. But then he finally hit it big in 1944 with The Glass Menagerie when he was 33. And then his whole life changed. And this is where sort of the theme comes in, because I think we can also see with the recent Britney Spears documentary, Mm -hmm. like success doesn't mean happiness or, you know, being content or anything like that. It can be kind of shitty in Tennessee, he wrote this essay that was called The Catastrophe of Success because after he became successful, he just felt really complacent and that he just like didn't have the hunger that could drive him as an artist to write things. And he just was 
Because he was like living in hotels and stuff. And he was like, there is this one hotel room he was in with that that had this sofa. And he's like, I keep thinking that tomorrow I will look at the green satin sofa and I will fall in love with it. But alas, I don't think he ever fell in love with that metaphorical green satin mm. sofa, you know? That's really tragic and sad. I know. I'm sure Brittany felt the same way. Yeah, Brittany felt the same way. And I don't know. I just think it's interesting seeing how really the markers of our life that we can consider success or the barometers we have in place for success literally mean nothing about how you feel. So <laughs> I think he's a good example of that. Damn right, Gabby. Yeah. Yes. So I've also decided I don't want to be successful anymore. So everyone stop banging down my door uh, <laughs> because I, I'm not ready and I don't want it. Okay. I'm just going to live my little hermit life. And that's all I want. That's so Heraclitus of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> For listeners who don't know, Heraclitus was a hermit. We did his death a couple of episodes back. But I do feel like Heraclitus and Tennessee Williams do have some things in common because like Heraclitus be like, you know what, our lives are defined by war. And then if you're like not warring, then you don't feel good. And that was a Tennessee. He was like, my life's so easy now. I hate it. You know, <laughs> I feel so That's sad. Why. Oh my uh-huh. gosh. <laughs> So after that, Glass Menagerie, he wrote several other hits, some of the big hits. And then basically after Cat on a Hot Tin Roof came out, no more of his plays were box office successes. Like a lot of them closed after a couple weeks, which that fucking sucks, too, where you're like, I have made like he obviously at the time he didn't know he would be like the most notable American playwright. But like he had all these huge successes and then he just like he peaked and then it just kind of That's went sad. away. Peaking is scary. I, you know, I worry I peaked a few years ago. Taylor, that's literally not true. You peaked and then you started denying people jerky in your car. So, yep. you know. Actually, yeah, I think that's when your karma shifted. That's when the Buddhist monk stopped following you. Okay. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> Understood. But yeah, so Tennessee, he, his play stopped being as successful and that was in part due to additional sadness of losing one of his he lost his longtime partner in mm. to cancer no. and so that was tragic and then also you know his sister had been lobotomized so he was that's di- a difficult relationship he had some stuff going on for sure yeah and then basically to deal with the fact that he couldn't write he started depending more on this like hot cocktail of like coffee cigarettes drugs and alcohol but obviously it did not work very well. So let us get to the part that we're all here for, how he died. So it is February 25th, 1983. He's 71 years old. And so at this point, he he splits his time between Key West and New York City. And he's staying at this hotel called the Hotel Elysee. And his assistant has taken a room next to him. And at around, you know, the night before around like 1130, his assistant said he heard like a thud. Didn't think anything of it. But the next day at 10.45 a.m., the assistant walks into Tennessee Williams' room and he is found dead. (gasps) Oh, no. What's interesting about his death is that then initially it was reported in the New York Times that he died of natural causes because they didn't know what it was. And then they said a few days later that Tennessee had died by asphyxiation because he had choked on a bottle cap. 
which that doesn't really make any what sense. What kind of bottle cap? Well, it was just like a bottle. But then that was the thing they were fighting. Was it a bottle cap or was it like a nasal spray cap? Because they're like, well, maybe, you know, you pull it off with your teeth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he swallowed it and whatever. But then they're like, that doesn't make any sense because usually a nasal cap isn't big enough to like actually block your airwaves. But then... A few months later, the autopsy report was amended to say that he was actually, he actually died because he had a high toxin level of alcohol and a secondal, which is a barbiturate. Basically, they think he overdosed from taking, well, he, his tolerance to it had decreased because he'd been taking it for so many years that then he probably with the alcohol and the sleeping pill combination, he died from that or also from just the wear and tear of his body of like being on so many different drugs that'll do it but the thing that was weird is that they think that the medical examiner was actually in cahoots with the assistant because initially they never i mean it's kind of like he most likely died of like this actual having this toxin but for a while it was like six months before they actually said that he had died from you know having too much of this barbiturate But they think that they were in cahoots because they didn't want it to seem that Tennessee Williams had killed himself. And there was just like a lot of other things that they just didn't want people to think. Because if you're just like, oh, he was found dead in his room, they're going to assume it was suicide. But also this was like right at the beginning of the AIDS crisis. And so there was obviously all this stigma attached to gay men. So they just wanted to say, oh, it was this bottle cap thing. And they think all of that was just a lie. Because they didn't want anyone to think that he was had died of AIDS or suicide or you know something else that they was were trying to like preserve their his his memory or you know his legacy and stuff. They didn't want people. Yeah, was he, was he out or no? Yes, he oh he was okay. Yeah, but I just thought it was like I mean literally the, they do think that the assistant was like, hey medical examiner, can you just say that he choked on a bottle cap? And he was like, sure. But then they changed it. Was Mr. Williams mummified? No, he was not. But he was put to rest in a way he didn't want to be rested. This is just like the rudest thing that's ever happened. That's the opposite of mummification. Mummification is so intentional. Like you want that to happen to you. Well, kind of he did want the opposite of mummification because he wanted to be, you know, in the water. So basically... Here's what had happened. He drafted his will about 10 years before he died. And in it, he had a very specific way that he wanted to be put to rest. And here is what the will says. I, being in sound mind upon this subject and having declared this wish repeatedly to my close friends, do hereby state my desire to be buried at sea. I want to be buried at sea at as close a possible point as the American poet Hart Crane died by choice in the sea. I wish to be strewn up in a canvas sack and dropped overboard, as stated above, as close as possible to where Hart Crane was given by himself to the great mother of life, which is the sea. The Caribbean, specifically, if that fits the geography of his death. So... He is obviously saying, I told all of my friends this is how I want to go. And then he puts in his well that he wants to be put in a sack and thrown into the ocean. It sounds like he already had like an argument with people about it. I know. People were like, no, 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 Tennessee. Like, that's not normal. You can't do that. He was like, fuck everyone. I'm putting it in my will. So that's how he went. That's how he went. He was thrown into a sack. Well, that's what he wanted. And it's like, obviously, he told his friends again and again. But then his bitch ass older brother 
did not do that. Like, they weren't very close, but like, he could have seen the will. He knew what was up. And instead, he just buried Tennessee at the same cemetery where they had buried in the same, you know, plot area as where they had buried his mother, which was also rude because he had such a contentious relationship with his mother. I'm sure he didn't want to be next to his mother. So I'm starting a petition on change.org because this is the issue we need to be focusing (laughs) on. Exhuming Tennessee (laughs) Williams' body and throwing it into the ocean near to where Hart Crane, the poet, killed himself. I just want to clarify, he literally wanted to be thrown from a canvas bag, not ashes. No, well, he wanted to be put inside the sack and then the sack thrown. Like how I want to be put in the sack into a dumpster. Gabby, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Wow, I'm going to be just like him in my will and testament. I have had multiple conversations with my friends. Honestly. (laughs) Here's what I will say. It seems like his family, because okay, did his family have anything to do with lying to the public about how he died? No, I think it was mostly his assistant, other people close to him. And it's like his family, they, he definitely like, obviously had kept in contact with them. But it's just like so much of his work is based on the dysfunction of his family. So I totally understand. Yeah, because here's what I'm saying. It feels like the people nearest to him and his family were very focused on appearances and on what people thought was like, quote unquote, normal, a normal burial or like, you know, an accident instead of him dying from all of these choices that he made slash just his really hard life. And so that's really sad. He should have gotten his sack thrown into the sea with his poet friend. I know. he said that was weird. <laughs> he should have gotten his sack thrown into the sea. I mean, he deserved it. You know, he that's what he wanted. And it's just like, that's why... Life be terrible sometimes, even if you're successful. Like, maybe if he wasn't as successful, maybe they would have been more amenable to throwing him in in a sack off the side of a boat, you know? But sometimes you just don't get your wish. Thanks, Gabby. On that, we'll be right back. (laughs) Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to Kid Gals. I am so excited to tell you what I have discovered about burying a body at sea. So that when we get Tennessee Williams by exhume, we know what we'll to know do what to with do. it. I know exactly what to do. We'll go full Nicolas Cage and be like, I'm going to steal the body of Tennessee Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, we should get him on board to do this. That'd be National Treasure 17. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So first of all, I am shook. I, for some reason, just didn't even think it would be legal to bury a body at sea, but it is. Is it still bury or is it toss a body at sea? I don't... <laughs> anyway, it's hard. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why it's shocking that it's legal, but I mean, like, what's the actual difference if you're burying somebody in the earth versus the water? So actually, hindsight... The body can move. Oh, the body can move. The That's body such can a move. good That's what point, me. Nika. Okay. Holy Thanks. shooters. So I don't even thing. think about how water moves. Here's the thing. It's respectful, right? We, like, Tennessee Williams was really specific. He was like, this is how I want, where I want my body to be when I die, blah, blah, blah. He was like, even if it's, he's like, if it's convenient to where I am, it can be, what did he say, near the Caribbean somewhere? Yeah, he was like, you know, it'd be good to be, like, thrown in this, like, exact spot where this like amazing poet killed himself but like if it's not exactly there it's okay i think he was being fully reasonable anyway he probably knew that it was all okay if it was illegal that's one thing but it's definitely legal so anyway so obviously though there are rules and these i found on the epa's website so oh. who is the epa the environmental protection agency that's so interesting that they have a whole page about because I guess it's a problem, you know? It's People a just... lot. Okay. It's actually a lot. And I, I really just got like the basis of it, but there's some general guidelines. So okay, great. first, the remains must be placed at least three miles from shore and it has to be at least 600 feet deep. And if you're not using a casket, well, first, if you are using a casket, it has to be made out of um, certain materials as to not hurt the fish in the sea. So probably a canvas sack is probably a pretty eco-friendly. They recommend 
wrapping the body in a natural fiber sack and adding oh, wow. weight to sink the body quicker so that it doesn't doesn't move interfere with the fish and, all right yeah. now here is where i'm like what in the actual heck <laughs> <laughs> like it said you have to tell the epa within 30 days of following the event so apparently you can do it and then just like tell them later which i think that's really weird like hey i dumped this that's so interesting i dumped this body also you don't you apparently you don't even need like a certificate of death which seems really, really weird to me. I don't know why, but you can literally just be like, so you have to fill out this form so that they know that you're doing it or you've done it or whatever, but you don't have to have a death certificate or anything. So I'm like, you can just be like, hey, I put this body in the ocean. And they're like, okay. Hope they were dead. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I don't know why, but it just seems really weird. And And then... To add to that, this it's like DNA is soluble in water after like 72 hours. Taylor, are you saying that by describing this in this episode, we might be showing people how to dispose of a body? I know. Oopsies. No, that's what I'm like. This is just readily available. If you just go to the EPA's website, it's like, it's fine. Like, you can just put a body out. Uh, let's see. We recommend you use a a natural fiber sack as to not poison our fish in our the ocean. But you can use your own boat. You could also charter a boat. The EPA does not care about humans. The e- like they they said That's as true. long as you're not hurting the fish, we're fine. I mean, they do care about because it's we're dependent on the environment as humans to continue our species, Nika. Well, it's good to know though that you know, when we dispose of a body, we're going to do it the environmentally friendly way. So so yeah, look, there you go. It's actually easy peasy, lemon squeezy. All we got to do now is get that petition, exhumed. find a body to get that body <laughs> exhumed, and then we're good to go. This is, uh, we have weird goals on this show. I mean, <laughs> Don't worry about it. I mean, I just like, for some reason, I was just like shook. Just reading all of this, I'm like, oh, just tell them that you're going to do it. And they're like, okay, that's fine. I know. I find it, like, they, I'm guessing they have to ask, like, reason of death and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it just sounds too easy for a murderer. Like, reason of death drowning. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what? Oh, no. At least they said you have to weigh it, like, you have to add weight to it, because the idea of random bodies, like, burial bodies just floating up, just gives me anxiety. It says it's recommended. It's not like it's required, and if they don't have somebody with you to go dump the body then what does it actually matter like nobody there are no rules on the high seas that's what we're getting at you just have to be th- at least three miles from the shore although i think they're in some areas are a little bit more specific and have to be a little bit further like i think there's places in florida where you have to be a little bit further um but they're like yeah just <laughs> just be three miles from shore and 600 feet deep so i am now rethinking that instead of tossing me in the dumpster you should toss me in a recycling bin perhaps we've all agreed that like i want a statue of myself but i oh, don't yeah, want my right. body to be here just the statue gabby in yeah. a dumpster nick is a statue and i want to just be obliterated off this earth <laughs> <laughs> spontaneously combust <laughs> yeah so what have we what have we learned? I feel like we've learned a little too much. We've we've given people dangerous information mm-hmm. and people will know when Tennessee Williams's body goes missing. 
they're going to be on our case. No, we'll do it the right way. Yeah, yeah if we get Nicolas Cage involved. <laughs> Nicholas, yeah. if you are listening, yeah. help us. We need some help. <laughs> we need some help. At any rate, this has been an exciting episode. As you sure has. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with another episode of Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's hosted, produced, mixed, researched, all of the things by Gabby Watts, Nika Duarte, and Taylor Church. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CadaverGals. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.